to worship with you all. For those of you who are new in this room here, new to our church, my name is Rich. I'm the lead pastor here at New Life. And at the end of our service, I'll be downstairs in the lobby area with some of our pastors, and I'd love to meet you before you head out of this building. Uh, Over the course of a given month, there are many people who I meet in the lobby downstairs, and I say, how long have you been coming here? And they say, you know, nine months. And I go, is this our first time meeting? And I say, they say, yes. And I go, why did it take you nine months to come up to me? And so I'm there in the lobby because I'd love to connect with you. And so I know sometimes it can get, the line can get a bit long, and so if you have to go, feel free. But uh, I'd love to get your name before you head out of this building. And for those of you watching online, on YouTube, on Facebook, on newlife.nyc, Uh, Just a gift to have you worship with us as well. We've been in a series of teachings uh, focused on life beneath the surface, how to build a strong spirituality without denying our humanity. And at the core of this series has been uh, what does it look like for us to integrate our inner life uh, with God? What does it mean to integrate our feelings and faith? What does it mean to slow down our lives, to pay attention to what's happening deep down within? And so throughout the course of this series, we focus on a, a number of things, and this series will go on just two more weeks. Uh, but we focus on the emotional life of Jesus. That's what we touched on uh, week number one. Then we talked about anger and the way that anger lives in us. And what do we do with our anger? Uh, We talked then about anxiety and the ways that anxiety tends to dominate our lives and what the good news of the gospel is for the anxiety that we feel. Last week, we talked about solitude. What does it mean to create space in a given day so that we can pay attention to God and pay attention to what's happening within our own souls? And today, we're going to talk about Sabbath, something that is uh, a perennial theme, uh, an everyday or every year theme that we come back to at New Life, but we haven't really preached on it uh, on, on, in, on a Sunday morning for almost five years. We've heard about it in many different spaces, but for some of you, this is going to be some, uh, some new content. And so when I think about Sabbath, there are three kinds of people that are watching online or listening here. For some of you, this is going to be the first time that you're going to hear some teaching about this spiritual formation practice of the Sabbath. For some of you, uh, maybe you've heard about the Sabbath and you've been integrating Sabbath keeping and this discipline into your life, and that's wonderful. And then there's another third category of people who maybe have heard about Sabbath. Maybe you've been coming for a long time, but you have not integrated it yet in your life. Wherever you find yourself on that spectrum, here's my hope. My hope is that you would receive the invitation from Jesus to find rest for your souls and to establish a rhythm for your life that leads to a slowing down to pay attention to what's going on deep beneath the surface of our lives. And so we're going to look at a passage of Scripture. If you have a Bible, you can uh, join me in the book of Exodus chapter 20, or you can follow along on your screen or on your phone, on your device. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse number 8. Hear the word of the Lord. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you 
nor your son or your daughter. Let me pause here for a second. Um, uh, some middle schoolers, high schoolers that are in the room here, I, this is good news for you as well, all right? I got good news for you. On the Sabbath, uh, listen to your pastor here. And parents, listen to the pastor of the church here. The Sabbath is a day to not do any chores. Now, oh, come on, somebody. The Sabbath is a day not to do any homework. Do I feel the spirit moving in this place here? All right. There's more good news. Nor your son or your daughter, your male or female servant, nor your animals. Look at the animals get rest here as well. This is fantastic. Nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray together. Jesus. Thank you for the invitation to rest. And we offer to you our tired bodies. We offer to you our restless souls. We offer to you our lives. And so give us ears to hear and eyes to see and a heart to receive all you have for us this day. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, amen. Amen. There is a story in Greek mythology that the Greeks would tell about a king named Sisyphus. He was a king that was known for his deception, known for his trickery, known for his sly ways. And and one day, because of his tricks, because of his deception, uh, the Greek gods uh, punished Sisyphus for the rest of his life throughout eternity. And he had one particular curse, one particular uh, challenge that he would have for all of eternity, and it was this. Because of his deceptive ways, he would have to roll a stone up a hill only to the point because the gods had enchanted the stone that when it got to the very top of the hill, the stone would roll back down. And the next day, Sisyphus would get up and say, today's the day where I will conquer this curse that these gods have put upon me. And he would roll the stone up the hill. And when he got to the top again, it would roll back down. And he was condemned and cursed to do this for all of eternity. Now, when I think about Sisyphus and this image, and I think about our lives, I think that many of us, to some degree or another, know what it's like to be Sisyphus. No, we will never roll a stone up a hill for the rest of our lives, but you and I know what it's like to be Sisyphus every time we do laundry. Every time we do laundry. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. Have you ever done the laundry and it's done and, and, and like it's folded? Come on. It's not just left there for like two weeks and you're plucking out of it there. It's just like folded and put away. And after you've done all that, then you look into the hamper and somebody threw something in there. We're like Sisyphus just pushing that rock up the hill. Or doing dishes. Have you ever done the dishes and you've washed them and 
and you've dried them. And they're not just sitting like on the counter for like another four days. You've put the forks away and the spoons away and the pots away. And as you're about to finish the last one, someone just throws a fork into the sink and you're just so angry. You better wash that fork right now. And it feels like we're Sisyphus, just like pushing this thing up a hill. Or sending out emails. You send out emails and you like empty your inbox for the first time in like three years. And you're just so proud of yourself. It's just like, wow, I emptied my email inbox. And so what do you do? You go to social media to let the world know that you emptied your, your inbox. And someone goes, ah, oh, you just reminded me. I had to send you an email. He's like, why are you sending me an email? Or feeding your children. Like, they just ate, right? It's just like, you just ate. What are you doing? And, 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 and I didn't, you just ate. Why? And it feels like we are rolling a stone up a hill or doing homework or doing whatever. It seems to never stop. And this is the reality of our lives, that the work never seems to stop, which is why we need the gift of Sabbath that many of us do not have a healthy relationship with work. Many of us don't have sustainable rhythms for our lives. Many of us either divinize work, we make it something more than it should be, or we demonize work. We say this is a necessary evil just to pay the bills. And in the process, what we miss out on is a life-sustaining rhythm that can help us explore life beneath the surface. There was an article in The Atlantic about the bad relationship that we have with work. And the article was really about a gospel of work. This was a secular article, not a religious, not a Christian article. But it talked about the gospel of work. And listen to this important excerpt from the article. It said, the decline of traditional faith in America has coincided with an explosion of new atheisms. Some people worship beauty, some worship political identities, some worship their children, but everybody worships something. And workism is among the most potent of the new religions competing for congregants. What is workism? It is the belief that work is not only necessary to economic production, but also the centerpiece of one's identity and life's purpose. One of the reasons when I meet someone new for the first time or I have extended conversations with them over dinner, over a meal, or if I just met them, I work really hard, I work really hard, not to ask them about what they do for a living, at least initially. Because so much of our identity is wrapped up around what we do. So much of our identity is wrapped up around how we produce and what we produce. And so there's more to our lives than what we do. Amen. I want to know about who your parents are. I want to know about who your children are. I want to know about what do you do that gives you joy? What fills you with life? What do you like? What are your interests? And we certainly can talk about work, but for me, it's my uh, uh, opportunity in that conversation not to reduce someone to what they do. Because we are more than what we do, which is why we need a life-sustaining rhythm to remind ourselves of that. And that's what we see in the passage of Scripture that we read. The fourth commandment is given to remember the Sabbath to a people who for 400 years 
had been slaves. For 100 years, that's longer than the United States of America has been in existence. For 400 years, these people only knew one thing, work, slavery. There were no PTO time. There was no maternity or paternity leave. There was no holidays. There were no weekends. They had one identity. I work, therefore I am. And many of us know what that's like, which is why many of us experience a crisis of faith and a crisis of life when we don't have any meaningful output of work. Something is missing in our lives, we believe. And so these people for 400 years lived as slaves. They cry out to God, and God sends the deliverer and the person of Moses to let my people go. God re- redeems them out of the hands of Egypt, and now they're headed to the promised land. And as they're in the promised land, God is now going to fashion a new people by a new set of rules. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments. And I want you to know the order of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not given to save the people of God. The Ten Commandments were given to show what saved people look like. Amen. God didn't say, obey all of these commandments, and then I will release you from the hand of Egypt. No, God graciously extends his hand, redeems the people of God, and now says, now I want you to live in a different way. He wants to now instill into dignity. He wants to instill into them significance. He wants to let them know the reason you were rescued was to demonstrate what it means to follow me, to demonstrate what free people look like. And so God begins in Exodus chapter 20 by saying in verse number 1, God spoke these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He lets them know, I loved you with an everlasting love. I've rescued you. Now I'm commanding you. And this is really interesting because the way that we relate to God reveals a lot about how we view God. For some of us, we, be, we believe in a God who loves us but can't command us. And this is kind of like a teddy bear God. He loves us but he doesn't command us. Others of us, we believe in a God who commands us but doesn't love us. And so this is God as a tyrant. What we find in the Bible is a God who loves us and commands us because his commands are marked by love. And his commands are marked by the flourishing for our own lives. And so he gives them the commandments. He says, you shall not have any other gods before me. He says, you shall not make any graven images. He says, you shall not take the Lord's name in vain. That's number three. Then he says, remember the Sabbath. Now, it's interesting. I read a long passage there. It's interesting to see the proportion that commandment number four has over all the rest. It's the longest of the commandments, which is why some theologians say, if you mess up the Sabbath, you're probably going to break the other ones as well. Because if you're not resting, at some point, you're going to kill somebody. If if you're not resting, you're going to compromise in some other area of your life. If you're not resting, you might violate the other commandments. And so, he says, keep the Sabbath. Now, this is a hard one for us. And actually, the Sabbath, as many have said, might be 
the only commandment out of the 10 that we brag about breaking. We don't do it directly, but we brag about breaking the 10 commandment, the, the fourth commandment. You, you don't hear someone waking up in the morning, putting on Facebook, just killed three people, feeling really great about myself. You know, I, I just stole from my boss. This is going to be a great weekend. I uh, just committed adultery. I mean, uh, someone give me a high five. No one is doing that, but we break the fourth commandment and brag about it. How do we do, though, do so? When we just boast about how busy we are how important we are, I can, how much we can get done in such a short ma- uh, t- amount of time. We have a way of breaking the Ten Commandments. Uh, and the Fourth Commandment in particular, we have an identity around being busy. How you doing? Busy, so busy. And we say that for two reasons, or at least three. Number one, we are busy, and we have found an identity in that. How you doing? Busy. We say that because we are busy and we want everyone to know I can't help you. And so I just want to let you know from the beginning. How you doing? Busy. What do you want? You know, I, I'm not, I don't want to help you at all. I'm busy. Get the point. Or, or how you doing? We are actually really busy. And so we base our identity on doing, doing, doing. And what gets missing is exploring life beneath the surface. Which is why in the book of Exodus, what I read, there's actually an interesting reason why we are to rest and keep Sabbath. In Exodus chapter 20, there's one reason, and in another passage of Scripture, there's another reason why we are to keep Sabbath. In Exodus 20, the the, the reason behind it is basically this. The, The writer says, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested, therefore we should do the same. In Exodus 20, the rationale behind keeping the Sabbath is we are to rest because this is what God did. In other words, this is an act of imitation. We imitate God when we rest. But it's fascinating because there's another time in the book of Deuteronomy where the Ten Commandments are given again. And that word Deuteronomy is just a big word that means the second giving of the law. It was the second time that the Ten Commandments were given to a new generation who were about to enter into the promised land. And so God says, you're going to enter the promised land. Let me remind you of what I've said before. You shall remember the Sabbath. But the reason they do that is different. Because in Deuteronomy chapter 4, go to that slide for me, we see the the reason beneath it. He says, remember that you were slaves in Egypt, that the Lord your God brought you out with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. In Exodus 20, why keep Sabbath? Imitation. In Deuteronomy 5, why keep Sabbath? Liberation. In other words, if you cannot rest it's an indication of your slavery because free people rest if you can't rest whether because of external factors because there's an external pharaoh in your life or whether because there's an interior pharaoh in my life that says if i stop working i'm going to die whether it's exterior or interior, if we cannot rest, it's not an indication of our freedom. It's an indication of our slavery. Amen, somebody. Pastor Rich, I love my job so much. No matter how much we love our job, 
If we can't stop and create a, a separate container from our work, it's not an indication of our freedom, but an indication of our slavery. And so God says, I want you to be free because there's so much to pay attention to. With around you and within you, therefore, I'm inviting you to rest. Now, for many people, this is a hard commandment because some of you grew up in church environments where the Sabbath meant you can't. The Sabbath meant no. Can I? No. Can I? No. And so Sabbath, on the one hand, for many people is about legalism. Like, I can't do this on the Sabbath. Someone told me at New Life, like, when they grew up in church, they had, like, a Sabbath day of rest, and the only permitted television show they could watch was National Geographic. It was, that was the only thing they could watch because it was, like, about nature and things like that. It's the only thing they could watch. Everything else, you can't watch it. Why? It's the Sabbath. So for some of us, it's about restriction, whereas for others, it's about irrelevance. It's like, oh, that's an Old Testament thing. We shouldn't even care about it. But what I want you to see is that Sabbath is not to be irrelevant, nor is it about simple restriction. Sabbath is a spiritual formation practice. What is Sabbath? Very simply, it's a 24-hour period without any have-tos or shoulds, which over time is to result in deep rest and renewal. It's a literal 24-hour period. And I know what some of you are saying, oh, no, 24 hours. Well, I'll talk about the 24-hour period in the thing. But it's a 24-hour period without have-tos or shoulds, which over time is to result in deep rest and renewal. And over the years at New Life, we've talked about four important words to remember. My hope in this message is that you would get a vision that your life is more than just working nonstop. My hope is that you would get a vision that your life is more than just what you do. My hope is that you would get a vision that you are more than what you produce. Amen. There's something deeper to your life and something deeper to your story. And so stop, rest, delight, and contemplate are four important words that help us to frame what do we mean when we say Sabbath. Sabbath is an opportunity for us to stop our work. Like literally stop our work. Work is any meaningful expenditure of energy, whether paid or unpaid. Yep. Amen, somebody. There you go. <laughs> and so for some people, something might be work that doesn't constitute work for somebody else. And so mowing your lawn could be work, but for somebody else, it's joy. Cooking, for some of you, could be work. Who's, but for some of you, cooking is joy. Who, who's cooking just joy? Let me just see. Who's, who's cooking? I want to see who I want to invite over. Just for, just to, I want to give you a lot of joy. I want to give you joy. I want to give you joy, all right? <laughs> but we are to stop our work. We are called to rest. What is Sabbath? Sabbath is, a, is an act of stewardship. Stewardship of our bodies. Stewardship of our souls, stewardship of our minds. It's about resting. Sabbath is about delighting. It's about joy. Which is why, as a parent, our children have, we have practiced Sabbath since they, since they were born. And we worked really hard to associate Sabbath with 
delights. Joy, not restriction. I remember when our daughter Karis was four, was a four or five years old coming out of kindergarten one day, and it was a Friday, and she comes out of kindergarten. She goes, Daddy, Daddy, do you know what today is? And I said, it's Friday. She goes, no, it's the Sabbath. Why? Because on the Sabbath, when they were growing up, they had extra ice cream on the Sabbath. <laughs> So she's like, it is the Sabbath. We're going to Haagen-Dazs. This is awesome. Sabbath is a day of delight. You ever wondered why Jesus healed people on the Sabbath? Like he knew the religious leaders are going to get upset. And I always wonder, Jesus, you couldn't wait till Wednesday to just heal that person. He knew why. Because for Jesus, healing on the Sabbath was an act of joy, delight restoration, renewal. Sabbath is about contemplation, beholding God, tasting our food, slowing down our lives. When it's a Sabbath for me, I slow down. When I go to a public restaurant and I wash my hands and I, and, and, and I go through like the, 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 the air dryer, I hold my hand under it. And I'm there for a while. Just, it's just, there's a line behind me. It's all good. It's just, and, and brothers, they just tapping his finger. And I'm just saying, the brother, it's the Sabbath. You know what I'm saying? I'm just, when it's not the Sabbath, it's like, ah, I got to go. I got to go. I got to go. But it's a day of contemplation, of slowing down. But why do we have a hard time with this? Why is it so hard for us to get off the nonstop treadmill of work and activity. What's the invitation before us? And so what I want to do for the rest of my time is offer just a few truths for us to help us grasp what this is from a theological and biblical perspective. And we want to help you figure this out in your own life, but the big picture is I want you to see some truth here to help you enter into the rest that Jesus says it's yours. The first thing I want to say about this is that Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Sabbath is not a reward for hard work. Some of you grew up in homes where you could not rest until you were exhausted. You were not given permission to rest until you were exhausted, like you had to earn your rest. And so rest then became exclusively recovery so that you can work hard again. But I want you to see that the Sabbath is given not as a reward for hard work, but as a gift. Note something. The Chinese theologian and missionary Watchman Nee wrote a book called Sit, Walk, Stand, a small book on the book of Ephesians. Pick it up when you get a chance. It's wonderful. And he said something interesting in his book. He said that notice when Adam and Eve, the day that they're created, They're created on what day? The sixth day. Their first day was a day of rest. God creates them, and then the next day they enter into their rest. Uh, Imagine you you get a job, and your boss says, you're hired. And you go, oh, thank you. I'm just so happy to start. He goes, tomorrow, take a day off, and we're going to pay you for it. It's just like, praise God. What a great place. I love this job. This is amazing. That's what God says. I created you. Now enter into my rest out of which you work. Sabbath is not a reward. Sabbath is a gift. 
that God gives each and every one of us, and we are to receive this gift. Secondly, Sabbath is a reminder that our work will remain incomplete. One of the larger spiritual realities of Sabbath is this. Sabbath is to remind us that at some point, we're not going to finish what we've started. At some point, the email is not going to be finished. At some point, the laundry is not going to get done. At some point, the project is going to remain unfinished. And so it's an opportunity for us right now to anticipate our death. Now, some of you are like, I I didn't come to church for this, Rich. Why, Why are you giving me this here? And this is not the season of Lent. But think about this for a moment. Sabbath is about delight and death, recognizing our limitations that at some point, the work is going to be unfinished. This is why I used to watch back in the day the Food Network and Iron Chef, and they had these competitions, and they had one hour to, to put a meal together, and when that thing was up, their hands were in the air, and they had to wave them like they just don't care. You, had, you could not touch the plate any longer. You, can I add a little bit of garnish? No. Can I sprinkle a little bit of lime? You can't do anything. Your hands are in the air. This is a picture of Sabbath. Step away from the computer. Put your hands in the air. Why? Because it reminds us of what to pay attention to. In the monastery, monks pray a prayer of Moses out of Psalm 90, verse 12, to remind them of their limitations to remind them that their work is going to get incomplete one day. Psalm 90 says, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Sabbath reminds us that life is not simply about what we do, that there are larger aspects of our lives that we must pay attention to. The third aspect about Sabbath I want you to hold on to is that Sabbath moves us from production to presence. Presence, presence, presence. I came across an article uh, of a story of a young doctor who, after she finished her psychiatry residency, at a, uh, started working at a hospital in New York. And she was friends with a younger doctor who was pregnant or, or with her second child. And the pregnant doctor once said to the other doctor, do you know what I love most about being pregnant? She said, I love being pregnant because it's the only time where I feel productive all the time. Even if I'm sleeping, I'm doing something. This is someone who's caught up in productivity. You know, it is true that if you keep the Sabbath, you might be more productive. And lots of folks rest so that they can be more productive. But the reason we keep Sabbath is not to be more productive. The reason we keep Sabbath is to resist and reject the idol of productivity. Do you hear that? That your life is more than what you produce. That your life is more than what you accomplish. That your life is more than what you obtain. That your life is more than your possessions. That your life is more than your education. There's something deeper about your life. It's a day of presence. Presence to God. Presence to one another. Which is why one of the great things we could do on the Sabbath is invite others over to share a meal. 
to enjoy community with one another, to see each other, to relish in each other's presence. Sabbath is a day of presence to pay attention to our own lives. That, that for six days we're working, 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 and one day we go, what is really happening in my soul? Sabbath is a day that moves us from production to presence. Fourth, Sabbath reminds us that we are not God. That the world is not held together because of me. That the world is not held together because of you. That we can rest because God's at work. Ten years ago, after becoming a lead pastor at New Life, I had um, lymphatic tuberculosis. And it took a number of months before it was diagnosed. I had swollen glands all over my body, lost an immense amount of weight. And um, they found out what it was, and I was put on a cocktail of medications for about a year. This happened right after I became the lead pastor of New Life Fellowship Church. And I wondered to myself, I thought, Lord, what will happen to New Life Fellowship Church if I died? How will they ever survive without me? And I felt that God was saying, they'll be okay, they'll be okay. They'll cry, but they'll be okay. They're going to be just fine. And that was an important word that God spoke into my heart. And my pastoral verse has become Colossians chapter 1, verse 17, which says that Jesus Christ is before all things, and in him all things hold together. I'm not holding this thing together. You know why it's so easy for me to rest as a pastor? Pastor Rich, Pastor Rich, and have this because I'm not holding this thing together. Jesus Christ is holding this thing together. Jesus Christ is building the church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. He's building this thing. And the sooner that you and I can get to the recognition and the realization that we we are not God, the better we will be. This is why over the years I've come back to this image. For some of you, it's new. For some of you, you need to see it again because in Rockefeller Center, there's this image of a statue of Atlas who's holding the world on his shoulders. And he's holding the world on his shoulders. Go to Rockefeller Center next time and you'll you'll see this, this statue. He's holding the world on his shoulders. And some of us feel like that. There's just so much to do, so much work. We've taken on so much. But what's fascinating about this image is that Atlas is facing St. Patrick's Cathedral. There's just this wonderful contrast of Atlas facing St. Patrick's Cathedral. But there's something even more wonderful because In St. Patrick's Cathedral, behind the altar, there's another statue of the boy Jesus effortlessly holding the world in his hands. Come on, somebody. Five-year-old Jesus. Kindergarten Jesus. Chicken nugget eating Jesus. Juice box sipping Jesus. Cartoon watching Jesus. Just effortlessly holding the world in his hands. I'm preaching good now. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Look at your neighbor and say, you're not God. <laughs> Look back at that same neighbor and say, you ain't either. <laughs> 
he is before all things. And in him, all things are held together. Lastly, why? Why? What's Sabbath all about? Sabbath points us to the deeper rest found in God. Some of you, you're tired. Your bodies are tired. And it makes sense. We, this, life is hard. We're tired. But there's a deeper fatigue than just the fatigue of the body. There's the fatigue of the soul. Some of you have been living, striving, saying, if I just had this, then I'll be enough. If I just had that, then my life would have meaning. And we live our lives striving from one thing to the next. Another job, another title, another raise, another degree, another possession, another achievement. Next thing you know, we are so fatigued. What the Sabbath reminds us? Sabbath reminds us that the rest you need is not just for your body. The rest you need is for your soul. And Jesus Christ is the only one who can give rest for your soul. That there's a rest beneath the rest that you need. Why? Because there's a fatigue beneath the fatigue that you're feeling. There's a restlessness of your soul. And so Jesus says, essentially, you can come to me, Matthew 11, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Not just rest for your body, but rest for your soul. That you could find yourself living under the approval of God, not the approval of people. That you could find yourself at rest because God's grace is at work in your life. That you can live with a deep soul rest knowing that your identity is not marked by your productivity. Which is why the gospel, uh, the Sabbath is one of the greatest signs of the gospel of grace. Why? Because on the Sabbath, listen to this, you intentionally accomplish nothing. And God loves you with an everlasting love. Isn't that good news? You intentionally accomplish nothing. And God looks at you and says, my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. You are my son in who I am well pleased. The Sabbath is an invitation to receive the rest that's only found in Jesus Christ. Here's what I know about our church. Here's what I know about many of us watching this online or in this room. So many of you are so tired. And it's not just your body. It's your soul. And the only remedy for your fatigue is the rest that's found in Jesus Christ. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you Rest. Rest for your soul. Rest for your mind. Rest for your spirit. Come to me. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus. So many of us are tired, fatigued, needing the rest that only you can give, the rest that comes through your grace. 
the rest that comes through your free mercy. Free to us at a price of Jesus' broken body and poured out blood. And so, Lord, may this message today be an invitation, an invitation to resting in you, an invitation to cease our striving, an invitation to take note of all the ways that we are going according to a chaotic rhythm. And Lord, today, would you begin to help us take the next step? For some of us, it is indeed a 24-hour Sabbath. For some of us, it's beginning with six hours or 12 hours, whatever it might be. But Lord, would you help us to rest, to cultivate joy, to delight, to contemplate? And so, Lord, in moments like this, the only thing we can do is sing. Sing because of your grace towards us, your mercy towards us. You long to rescue us with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And after you rescue us, you let us know what free people look like. And so may we embody that in our lives. And so we sing to you now. Words of worship, you are our firm foundation. May we build our lives upon you. We sing to you now in the name of Jesus. And everyone said, let's all stand, let's sing together.